Davidson's has two locations, one in Centennial, one in Highlands Ranch. They're locally owned. They have a massive selection for anything you need, including, our, of course, our favorite, Breck Brews. Uh, and supporting them is supporting us, and they're back up and running. So if you want to go in and talk to their extremely knowledgeable staff about whatever you may be searching for, Davidson's is the place to go. So make sure you check them out today. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. They'll put a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning that degree and living your life. Uh, They're providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who will bring the real world into the classroom. Make sure you head over to msudenver.edu slash online today to scope out all they have to offer. My boys! (laughs) I can't get used to that. (laughs) <laughs> i snuck in there I, I think i caught ryan off guard no i, I saw it coming <laughs> mm-hmm. mace being caught off guard by it is the best part every time <laughs> um, I, i'm just used to noise on a nice even keel when i'm here in my office unless my daughter comes bounding in so i'm just someday i'll get used to it zach but uh not yet not yet. <laughs> Maybe by week one. Oh wow, we got some time. Wait, speaking of which, we're we're uh, right around the hundred day mark for the Broncos opening kick. I believe uh, we're at like a hundred and two right now. Yep, and it sure seems like uh, everything is going to go on as scheduled. Um, like you know, a lot of us has felt from the beginning. Uh, all these other leagues are actually timing it perfectly for training camp to go on as scheduled. You know, you'll see the Nuggets probably coming in for their own type of training camp July 1st. Uh, the Avs in the inner, you know, about uh, the middle of the month, I believe, is when they're going to start their training camp. And of course, in the Broncos will start their training camp at the end of the month. It'll be crazy. Everything ramping up all at once. Um, I don't think it was an accident that the NBA who announced their plans today um, made it so they're going to come back a little bit sooner than the NHL. I think that was a smart move on their part. They got their ducks in a row. They said, all right, cool. We're going to start July 31st. Based on what we know from the NHL, they're probably not even opening training camps until the third week of the month. So they're not, and they're going to do three weeks of training camp before they go in. So they're going to be in August. The NHL, uh, the NBA getting a little head start here on the NHL, a nice little uh, little move around the corner by them to get a little lead. Oh, really smart. And Ryan, like you said, in terms of football, man, it, it's lining up where um, there, there was a chance, I was thinking, that maybe the NFL was going to allow mini camps to happen maybe the last week of June, just because these other leagues, like you said, are coming back beginning of July. Um, it, that could have allowed the NFL to uh, say, sure, it's safe to do this, but it looks like the NFL is going to hold off. But in terms of training camp, 
man, if, if we keep going on the path that we're going on in terms of COVID, um, it doesn't seem like that should be affected. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great news. Uh, and it look, again, it looks like the, uh, the NFL is going to be able to just stay on the schedule, never deviating, of course, other than the little uh, off-season programs that got derailed because of COVID. Um, one thing that's been different, of course, is our media availability which has all been over Zoom. And uh, you guys were on a call yesterday with Vic Fangio and uh, Kareem Jackson. From a football perspective, we'll get to other stuff later. From a football perspective, what did we learn from those guys? Well, we learned that Vic wasn't planning or isn't planning on having his players back um, until training camp. And I like the perspective that he took when I asked him about that because he said, I asked him if they're behind the eight ball and, you know, specifically where, and he said no, because every other team is like this. And that's the reality. Every other team is dealing with this exact same situation. Um, in fact, some teams like the Saints, I believe, canceled their entire offseason program. So there actually are teams that are further behind the Broncos in terms of this. But I, Vic being such the football guy that he is, I wouldn't have been surprised if, if he – had the mentality of we're missing what 300 snaps on offense. Is that what Cortland Sutton said they were missing this off season? If he was more focused right. on that, but I'm happy that he's focused on that. Not it is what it is. We're in the same position. Everyone else is. And that's just the truth. Well, no one wants to hear excuses, even though we can get into reasons why the offense might not be everything you expect it can be because you don't have the offseason work. But I like the no-excuse mentality that Vic Fangio is taking. Look, you're going to have to go out there and play. And, uh, of course, nine years ago, there was not even an offseason with Zoom meetings because you had the lockout and those were, were prohibited and you had players going off to, to work out by themselves. And then they all gathered for camp when the labor impasse was resolved and the season was competitive, went off without a hitch. So I think because Vic Fangio has seen things like that happen, actually he's been around long enough to have seen a work stoppage in the middle of a season back in 1987 during the, uh, the four week strike that took place because he's seen that. I don't think he has any, any fear that things are, are, are going to go off. And again, fans aren't going to, ex- are, aren't going to want excuses. If the team struggles, they just want results, and I think Vic understands that. Yep, and in terms of other things that Vic said, Drew Locke, speaking of no excuses, he picked up right where he left off. I think that's what everyone wants to hear because, like we've talked about, seemingly every conversation about how the Broncos' season is going to go, no matter what position we're talking about, we always fall back on. But in the end, it comes down to Drew Locke, and hey, if a guy that went four and one uh, had more touchdowns and interceptions, what was a beast as a leader, uh, brought everything the Broncos wanted. If he's picking up right where he left off, that's absolutely everything every Broncos fan wants to hear. Yeah, it's huge. And I know they also talked about Drew getting together with some of his teammates, and that's been more and more frequent over the last couple of weeks, just going out to the park, getting together. Drew Locke, Philip Lindsay, Cortland, you know, all these guys are getting together uh, and, and putting the work in. I don't know exactly the, the roster there of guys to have been in, in that uh, group, but you love seeing that. That's Drew taking the initiative. That's leadership. Uh, and, it's, and it's really important, you know, because 
regardless of what the rest of the league is going through, we haven't seen every single player getting together with their um, with their receivers, every single quarterback getting together with their receivers. So you are getting a little bit of a, a leg up on the rest of the league when you do something like that. And I think that's huge. Yeah, Ryan, it, it is huge for them to be able to, uh, to, to get a, just a little bit of something. Now, I don't think guys – uh, the rookies are there. I don't think Alberto is there. I don't think KJ Hamler's there. Jerry, Jerry Judy's not there. And obviously, that those are the guys that probably need the most work with Drew Locke. I guess outside of Alberto, but you you, you want to see KJ Hamler and Jerry Judy get as much chemistry with Drew Locke a, as possible, and that's just going to make training camp even more crucial for them. Yeah, I still think that it would be nice if they could throw a few extra days on the start of training camp as well compared to uh, when they're scheduled to come in that uh, the NFL and NFLPA could come to an accord and say, yeah, we're going to re- report one week early. We're going to report around the, the 23rd or so. But I don't think that's going to be in the offing just because that would take a lot of gymnastics with the Players Association and with – the potential for reduced revenues this year as a result of the uh, of maybe the stands being half empty or having fewer fans than that uh, I think there may be some discuss some contentious discussions coming up regarding with the NFL and NFLPA in the future so I don't think that's something they're going to want to push you just have to have to make the best of it it's been good that Drew Locke has been out there uh, working out getting some time in uh, with his teammates it's not going to be everything, but it's going to help a little bit. Yeah, and maybe the players can just, you know, uh, themselves decide, hey, let's get that, get out there a week early and go work out in the park. You know, that that type of stuff will make a difference too. And it's and it's probably for the best because they're going to have to get settled in and, and that sort of thing. And they might just – most of them might be planning on doing that sort of thing in the first place, especially the younger guys who got to come, you know, learn a new city. So uh, that'd be nice. You'd like to see that as well. Um, of course, the, uh, there was a, a comment from Vic Fangio that got um, got a lot of people's eyebrows raised and uh, a lot of people very disagreed with very vehemently. Mace, you wrote about this and it was essentially uh, Vic saying that he doesn't see racism in the NFL. Um, and, I, you know, I'll let you speak on this first and then I'll, I'll give my opinion. But I think uh, I think you really missed the mark there. Yeah, he was asked uh, about uh, players, about how players have uh, uh, been been active in in social issues uh, during his career and uh, how things have evolved. And he said, I don't know that it's changed a whole lot, to be honest with you. I haven't seen a great, great change other than I don't think there's been a tremendous change. I don't say that to be negative, but I think our problems in the NFL along those lines are minimal. We're a league of meritocracy. You earn what you get. You get what you earn. I don't see racism at all in the NFL. I don't see discrimination in the NFL. We live in a great atmosphere. And hearing that, your your ears perk up a little bit. And I think what he's guilty of here is just seeing things through the perspective that he has. And you can go back through uh, his career and uh, how Vic has treated his players uh, with equality and fairness, it's it's an exemplary record that he's gathered. He doesn't see skin color. He doesn't even uh, see like football stereotypes. I remember one of his first big stars at inside linebacker in New Orleans back in the '80s was Sam Mills. Well, he had the stere- a different kind of stereotype. He was too short, but 
He went out there and played well. The best guys are going to play for Vic Fangio. And so I think in his experience, he can justifiably say, yeah, we don't see skin color. We don't see sociopolitical anything on that. The best guys are going to play. And he could even look at when he was with the 49ers and see that they had Colin Kaepernick at quarterback and got him to a Super Bowl. So I, I really think that Vic is colorblind in how he goes about his work. But to say that it doesn't exist at all in the NFL, uh, that there's no discrimination in the NFL, well, the first thing that went through my mind, guys, is if you had a racism-free, discrimination-free NFL, then why did people feel the need to put more teeth on the Rooney rule? Why does the Rooney rule exist in the first place? If you, had, if you didn't have racism, if you didn't have discrimination, you wouldn't need to do things to get more minorities into positions of authority in football operations as head coaches and GMs. And we're 17 years into the Rooney Rule, and it's not working as well as they want it to. So they, they floated around the idea of tying it to draft position. And if you have to do that, then you do not have an atmosphere that is free of racism and discrimination on a big picture league-wide. Vic's narrow view, absolutely. Meritocracy, no racism. But beyond yeah. that, not, not, not the case. Yeah, and, and that was my main thing, is I just think Vic uh, didn't spend enough time thinking about how he's going to address this because he had a week, uh, you know, since all of this started, and, and he's obviously a public figure. He knew, I'm going to have to speak on this. And... Well, I think you're, you might be right in the sense that he's basing this off of his own experiences. That's not the, the right way to approach this right now. Uh, you know, you, you kind of need to show some empathy uh, and put yourself in the shoes of others to truly understand why this is such a big hot-button issue in our country right now. And I think uh, what Vic should have said is that he doesn't see racism and discrimination in an NFL locker room. And you've seen players like Patrick Mahomes talk about this, too, in their statements. It's true. I mean, from everything I've seen in an NFL locker room, it is the ultimate blend of cultures, races, uh, you know, different economic backgrounds that these guys are coming from. And in the best cases, especially, you see all of these people from all of these different backgrounds come together to try to reach one common goal. And if our country could be – uh, could take that microcosm in that small community and expand it kind of like we talked about with our community, then we would be in a much better place. But th what bothers me is that Vic had a long time to think about this and the fact that he didn't consider, uh, you know, the Rooney rule and other examples. I mean, I've talked about it before on this podcast, just with uh, positional, um, you know, discrimination. You're seeing now what happens when the best athletes play the best position look at Lamar Jackson last year you know that's a guy who has spent his life playing quarterback who's also the best athlete on every team he's ever been on and we're starting to see the tide start to change now but for so long quarterback in the NFL was a very white dominated position and you go look through you know even right now it is still dominated um, by you know white quarterbacks and that goes all the way down to youth football. Uh, and it's something that I think that we could do a better job in uh, all across the nation in youth football. You know, let the, you know, just because for a long time, 
a kid was black and he's fast and quick and all these things. Okay, well, he's a running back or he's a wide receiver. And that's a problem in itself. So I just wish Vic would have taken a little bit more time to really think about all of these things from, like I said, youth football all the way up to the Rooney rule, all the way up to ownership in the NFL. Uh, and that's where I think he really missed the mark. I don't think that, that, you know, he was necessarily realizing what exactly he was saying there because, like you said, his view is framed in a certain way. And he's someone who's worked his way up all the way from the bottom and, and probably wants to believe that, you know, that um, that he went through such a hard time you can't imagine it maybe being harder for other coaches. I don't know. I don't want to speak for Vic. But I do think that that's where he missed the mark. He he was too focused on his own view of things. And, and I don't think that's what, what, we, what we should be doing right now. I think we really need to be opening our eyes up to other people's views of the world. Well, you guys hit on so many important things. And I'm not going to reiterate them all because I agree with everything you guys said. But one more thing to this is, isn't this kind of a big part of the broader conversation that our country's been having this past week is um, you can't just say you're not racist and that's good enough. Okay, I've done my part. I'm not racist. Look inward, say you're not racist. Um, it's about clearly it, there is still racism that's going on in this world. And so you have to look outside of yourself. Um, and I think Vic just got caught up in that by saying, like Mace detailed, uh, Vic has not shown that that it, any signs of racism throughout his coaching career. He he's he hasn't seen color, and that hasn't affected him at all. But it's it's about looking outside, not just of yourself, not just of your own locker room and, and what's below you, because because that's below you. It's it's look look up and around. Um, Colin Kaepernick, the Rooney Rule, Ryan. It's a great point. Ownership in the NFL, general managers. Um, just opening your eyes a little more. Um, and so I th just think Vic got caught up in that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hope that uh, one of his players or one of his colleagues or someone will just point that out to him. And I think it will. And I think, um, you know, I think Vic will realize that he was wrong in saying that and maybe release a statement, maybe not, maybe next time he meets with the media, he'll have a chance to address it uh, and correct himself there. But um, just one of those things, like, like you said, Zach, kind of a microcosm of a lot of the conversations we're having today is you, you need to open up, you need to open up your eyes to everything that's going on, not just what's going on in your life. Right. It, it, exactly. And Speaking of that and doing that, we also talked to Kareem Jackson, and we pretty—I don't think we talked football at all with Kareem. Maybe one question here or there, but it was all about um, his view on what's been going on and how he wants to have an impact. And guys, I mean, talking to him—you um, know—a a guy that that grew up in in Georgia, Alabama, and then obviously played for the Houston Texans for a while. It's, it's painful to hear just, you know, when he's on the football field, he's paraded as, as, you know, a superstar athlete. He has the fame, he has the money, but when he takes off his jersey, he's just like any other African-American, as he said, and, and he has faced racism um, his entire life. And man, the, the story he told of being pulled over 
uh, when he was in Houston with the Texans and he had a nice car. And right when the police officer saw uh, the color of his skin, immediately the first thing he asked was, whose car is this? And that's just, that, that's brutal. Um, and you, you just feel for him and you really realize, not, not that I didn't realize that this was an issue because obviously I did, but just to hear these personal stories is, is heart-wrenching. And um, it's important to hear though. It's important to hear these stories uh, to show that it's not just uh, a black man being killed on the streets by a white police officer, which is obviously terrible. But it's not just huge things like that. It's also just everyday things where Kareem said um, he wants to change things so that he doesn't have to look over his shoulder out in public. They, they can just uh, feel comfortable wherever they are. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's what a lot of people have been discussing here is that that's the, wor- that's the world that we need to get to. I think we're a long ways away from that. Uh, and... This is a this is a great first step. Um, so, as we said uh, the other day, there there aren't very many smooth transitions from these conversations into other conversations, uh, but they're important to have. So we just have to kind of make those harsh breaks. Um, and so right now we're going to jump into our DraftKings pick of the week as we uh, segue here, and we've been giving these out every week, and I think we have some good picks up on the board. Some of them uh, have been instant gratification, like Mesa's pick last week on the uh, National Rugby League in Australia. Some of them you're going to have to wait a little longer. So uh, I'll let you start, Zach, here with, uh, with your pick of the week this week. Yeah, and I'm sorry that uh, I'm making you guys make long-term investments in order to make some money here. But that's where I'm going again with this one. Staying in the NFL, because that's what I specialize in. But going outside of the Broncos for this one, Drew Brees' passing yards. Guys, what would you guess his passing yard number would be set at for this season? Or I should say, not not what would you guess. How many yards do you think Drew Brees will throw for this season? If he's healthy, he can throw for 42 to 4,300. But remember last year, he missed some time to injury with Teddy Bridgewater coming in for him. So... Because of that, I'm going to guess his over-under is around uh, 3,500. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. I'd say it's significantly higher than that. Um, I, I would say that, you know, if, uh, if he's healthy, he's going to throw for uh, 4,300 yards. 4,300 yards. Okay, and you guys both hit it, if healthy. His over-under right now is set at 4,000 and a half yards. And I love the over on this one he did not hit it last year because like you said he missed five games and that'll you're not going to get four thousand yards if you miss five games he was at 2900 the year before that he fell eight yards shy of four thousand but i believe it's because he sat out the final game of the season he was on pace to averaging more than four thousand if he would have played that last Last game. game but in vegas he didn't hit it the 12 years before that 12 straight years he eclipsed 4,000 yards every single season and I think that's what Drew Brees is even though he's a year older that's what he's going to be again this year Um, and even in the past two seasons when he didn't get to 4,000 
he still averaged over 250 yards per game. And of course, that's what you need to average to get to 4,000 yards. So um, it, it barring health, yes, and, and he wasn't there last year. But I think that he's going to easily pass this. So that's an easy one for me. All right. I, I mean, I like it. Um, I think that, uh, that betting on the Saints to rack up passing yards is always a good bet. <laughs> exactly. Especially now that they don't have that one-two punch of Ingram and Kamara. Yep. And with Kamara, you just throw him the ball anyway. True. All right, Mace, what do you got for us? Well, my computer froze on me here that I had this on, so I'm just trying to access it a little bit. But I'm going back to the National Rugby League. My, my pick a couple of weeks ago was, was, was the winner going against the Gold Coast Titans. My pick last week with the Melbourne Storm was a loser, so I'm going back to the losers, the Gold Coast Titans of the National Rugby League. They are, they, they are on a mind-numbing losing streak dating back to last season. This season, they have lost their three matches 24-6, 46-6, and 36-6. And the West Tigers, who come in 2-1, and one, they head into this match this weekend as a six-and-a-half-point favorite against those Gold Coast Titans. And given the fact that Gold Coast hasn't played a match that was closer then that was that was in single digits in terms of them losing since last season and even that was an eight-point loss to end last year I've got to go with the West Tigers even though I'm going to give Gold Coast six and a half I think they're going to cover easily sounds like a sound bet to me I gotta say (laughs) it really does (laughs) Uh, so there you go Uh, there's your pick of the week from Mace and I honestly can't remember if I've already given this one out. So if I have, sorry. Uh, but it's, I'll, I'll just double down on it and say you should get in on it again. Well, I'm recording all these, so I'll let you know. Oh, well, did I do the Sutton and Judy one? You did not. Okay, well, there we oh, go. Oh, no, oh, with the Chiefs? Yep. Yep, 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 you already did it. <laughs> oh, man. Can you That's tell me what one, my though. picks have been then? <laughs> uh, you went Drew Locke over 20 and a half touchdowns. Uh, okay. the Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton will have more touchdowns than the Chiefs will have wins. Jerry yep. Judy will be over 750 yards. And the NC Dinos to win on May tw- the night of May 28th. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, that, okay, then I'm going to have to... Well, uh, I'll give this one out because we talked about it yesterday on DNVR Bets Daily, and it is rising, and I highly recommend you get it before it gets much higher. Drew Locke passing yards was at 3375.5 when we originally gave it out in the early days of DNVR Bets Daily. It might have even been the first show of the, of the entire series. And since then, it has gone up 75 yards. We told them then hey, guys, this is going to go up, and we were right. It's gone from 33.75 to 34.50. I still feel great about it at 34.50. It's going to have to go up quite a bit before I don't feel good about it, but right now you're still getting great value on it. So Drew Lock passing yards over 34.50 and a half. That's going to be my uh, pick of the week this week. I think Drew Lock crushes that by hundreds of yards. 
I'm doing some number crunching on, on what I think Drew Locke's yardage is going to be this season for, for an article coming up on the dnvr.com. And I love the over, like you said, Ryan, by hundreds of yards. Yep. But get in on it before it goes up hundreds of yards. <laughs> exactly. And uh, just one more quick note uh, from something we talked about yesterday on DNVR Bets Daily. Uh, the Broncos at seven and a half. We, I, we also said that that was going to go up based on money coming in on it. And you would think based off of the numbers we got yesterday that it would have gone up already, but it hasn't guys. 98% of the money at DraftKings Sportsbook, not just in Colorado, but at DraftKings Sportsbook, 98% of the money is on the Broncos to go over seven and a half wins. Oh my gosh. I mean, DraftKings Sportsbook knows what they're doing, but right now it seems like they're going to be hosed when the Broncos go 10 and six. I know. So, and you know, we were talking about it. Why wouldn't they bump it up? Maybe they just have certain times, you know, they, they don't, they don't want to bump it up before this or that or the other thing, but yeah, uh, they're going to have to raise that number up to get some money in on the under, unless they are so confident that the public is wrong here that they're just going to say, okay, well, the Broncos are going to go under and we're going to take 98% of the money. But usually books don't like to make those bets. Yeah. Well, we, uh, here's a question, though, I have about it before we move on. Sorry, Zach. Do they set different lines in different states? Or no. it's – okay, so it's going to be across the board. All right. So, I mean, I would think that if they really wanted to get action on both sides of it, it might – it would if they were just focused on Colorado – that you want to make sure that uh, you had a number to where some Colorado fans would take the under, but that's, you know, but if, if they're doing one line across the board, then it should balance out. But that's, that's kind of interesting to me. Yep. Sorry. Um, I should correct myself. It's 97% of the money that is on the Broncos. <laughs> I mean, we love DraftKings Sportsbook, but they may not be Broncos fans this year. If that stays like that. Yeah, so uh, just interesting to keep an eye on. But again, those numbers usually tell you that there's going to be change soon. So if you want to get in on it, uh, then then do it now. Uh, but definitely the Drew Locke one, because I see that just continuing, continuing to creep up, up, up as we move towards the season. And man, even if it goes up half a game to eight with the Broncos wins, uh, then they have to win nine for you to cash out on that. I mean, that, that, that is actually a very uh, big half game or full game increase that they're going to have if you want to take the over. That's very true. Absolutely very true. Uh, okay. Well, before we move on here, shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. Get that uh, Mile High City Copper Lager. They've got the 15-pack of that. Love the, uh, the Breckenridge Brewery 15-packs. Uh, of course, Breck Brew, official beer of DNVR. And supporting them is supporting us. So you can have a beer on the porch while you're grilling and, and feel like you're, uh, you're fighting the good fight for DNVR. So uh, make sure you hit up Breck Brew. And make sure you get that Mile High City Copper Lager. And guys, speaking of DraftKings Sportsbook, of course, we're talking about uh, – Mace is talking about some rugby. Ryan and I are talking about some, some football that's going to be happening in the next couple of months. But at DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet on rugby right now. You can bet – on KBO baseball going on right now. And you can also bet on UFC. And of course, UFC 249 was exciting, but that was just a primer. This Saturday, they've got UFC 250. 
starting off the June sports calendar with a bang and guys, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sports app is putting you in the center of the action with a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. And guys, for a limited time, DraftKings Sportsbook has a no-brainer promotion going on. They're offering 5-1 to one odds on Nunez, who is heavily favored. So normally a $10 bet on a fighter of Nunez would only net $2, but for a limited time, DraftKings is offering $10 to win $50. So make sure to get in on that this weekend and download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use that code DNVR when you sign up for that limited time $1,000 sign-up bonus. A DraftKings Sportsbook has that sign-up bonus up to $1,000. So don't forget to enter the code DNVR and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit, bon deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, good stuff there, Zach. And let's jump into the questions from our listeners. And if one of you guys wants to lead us off, go right ahead. First one coming in from One Lonely Dwight. I missed the cutoff for yesterday's pod, so I'm posting again today. I have been a member of this community for the last three years and mostly kept quiet, allowing others to ask questions and tell stories for me. However, with what's been going on the last week, it is more important than ever to make our voices heard and show our support for the peaceful protesters. As one of the thousands involved in the march going through Denver last night, I beg everyone to get involved in whatever way possible. The protests in Denver will be continuing in some form all week. If you have the time, please go out and show your support. Send emails to your senators, governors, mayors, congressmen, and anyone else with a, with a modicum of power in your jurisdiction. And then he gives links to Jared Polis's comment page. He gives a link to Michael Hancock's comment page. And lastly, but most importantly, vote. If you are not registered here, here is the link to register online for Colorado residents. It takes five minutes, so there is no excuse. He drops the link there and he ends off by saying, we cannot let the momentum of this movement slip, of this moment slip away. We do not need to wait for another innocent man or woman to be killed. We need to act now and force our government to do the same. The only way that will happen is if we keep pushing and if we keep doing it in a peaceful and productive way. Take care of each other and stay safe, fam. Uh, very good resources that one lonely Dwight threw in there. Uh, and make sure if you go into the comment section, you just highlight them because they show up in white. Uh, but he did leave the links there. Very good comment there. Yeah, well put, especially the part uh, to make sure you register to vote because uh, it's going to be a pretty impactful election this year. And uh, you want to make sure that all your I's are dotted, your T's are crossed. Fortunately, if you're here in Colorado, they make it pretty easy because you can just vote by mail or you can drop it off. So uh, make sure you make, you make your voice heard in that way too. Right. And, and obviously, you know, whatever side of the aisle you're on, uh, you can't make your voice heard if you don't vote. Um, and I also love that he said, you know, keep pushing in a peaceful and productive way. I think, you know, that is how we capitalize on this momentum is just, uh, continue to, uh, to, to make our voices heard. And, uh, and I think that's a great message. Next one here is from Jedi Joshua three. He said, Hey fellas, uh, haven't commented in a while. I appreciate you guys and the approach you have. I have a lot of respect for you guys and I haven't met you yet. Hopefully one day I'll make the trip from West Virginia 
to Denver to maybe meet you guys at the bar. Although I have been almost seven years sober, I could be the DD. Well, good job. Uh, yes. Okay, question for you guys. 2013 Broncos offense, 2015 Broncos defense versus the 2018 Chiefs offense and the entire – and the Chiefs' best recent defense, maybe 2015. Go to NVR, go Broncos, go human decency. <laughs> Iceman's starting a trend here, and I absolutely love it. Well, I'm, I'm going easy Broncos right here. Now, the offenses might be just as, as dangerous. You could, you could go back and forth. But the defense is what does it for me. The 2015 Broncos defense better than any Chiefs defense of recent, and, and it's not even close. Yeah, I, I would actually say that the best Chiefs, the Chiefs' best recent defense was probably from about week six onward last year yep. rather than 2015. That said, you got to go with the Broncos on that because as good as the Chiefs' defense was, it's not a defense that you're talking about being – in the pantheon of the best defenses of their era going down in history. I mean, you put that 2015 Broncos defense for its era uh, alongside others like the, the 2000 Ravens and the, the 76 Steelers and the 85 Broncos relative to what was going on in the game in terms of their dominance. And the Chiefs defense just doesn't stack up. And the Chiefs offense in 2018, it was amazing. But the Broncos' offense in 2013, historically good. you got to go with Denver on this easy. Yep. I like that question, though. That, that's a fun one. Next one coming in from our guy, Joe and Aurora. He says, can we get a statement from RK and Vic Lombardi, about Vic Lombardi's fear of losing to him and Henry? So much so that he lied and said no one accepted the 2v2 gold challenge. Thanks in advance. Love, Joe and – or golf challenge. Thanks in advance. Love, Joe and Aurora. Yeah, uh, pretty wild there. So Vic Lombardi <laughs> tweeted it out, said that he wanted to do a match-style competition like like Peyton and, and Tom did with Phil and Tiger. And, uh, you know, shortly after he posted it, I said, hey, uh, you know, me and Henry will take you on and represent the podcast world because he wanted it to be a radio competition. Well, time went by. No radio people accepted the uh, the challenge. And then Vic tweeted out that no one would accept their challenge because they were too scared. And I, I was like, uh, excuse me, we're right here. I told you we'd take you on. And he danced around it and said, well, you know, we were looking for radio people. And if it's not going to be radio people, then we'll just open it up to anyone. And I'm just oh, like, hmm. wow, seems, seems a little dodgy there. Seems like you're kind of trying to dodge us. I got to say, when the, he had the first tweet and you responded to that right away with just how much it blew up and how he responded, I, I thought it was accepted and done. I thought it was a done deal. I was just waiting on the date. So was I. You know, I was, <laughs> tu I was tuning up the game, practicing my putting, all that stuff. I was ready to go. And then the next day or maybe two days later, I hear him say no one accepted the challenge. Uh, we've even got someone who's ready to sponsor it down at Bear Dance. Uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know what was going on there, but it sure seems like Vic doesn't want to take us on, which is kind of weird because I'm pretty sure that him and Mosier play a lot more golf than me and Henry. <laughs> or there's also the, uh, there's, there's the latent arrogance of legacy, uh, media against digital media, because I, I've seen, oh, I saw over the years, especially in the two thousands that newspaper people would look down on dot-com people and, uh, 
view them as less than legitimate. And now maybe we're seeing this in the radio to podcast realm that uh, you know, because radio has been around for a century and podcasting is relatively new, that there's a little bit of a little bit of condes- condescension on their part. So yeah, that's well, just my take it- on it. The good news is if, if their necks got stiff from looking down all that time, well, now they're getting to stretch it out by looking up. <laughs> dot com people. I love it. I, I've never uh, classified myself as a dot com person. <laughs> yeah, That's a and very it, and... early 2000s term. Uh-huh. There. <laughs> that just tells you how old I am and how long I've been around. So that's all. Boucher all day. It's been a while since I've come in. I wish it was in different terms. I'm not getting political, but violence is never the answer. I live near Minneapolis and work in it. It is extremely hard right now with these violent protests. I have employees scared out of their minds and their families. I go outside just to see our cars vandalized and keyed, communities on fire, stores robbed. I just hope there is an end in sight. Now on to Broncos-related things because that's my happy place, usually. What's this I hear about a new article stating that the Broncos are dead last with a quarterback room? There's no way 31 other teams have a better quarterback room than them. Lastly, since they went wide receiver, wide receiver in this draft, what's the likeliness that they go tackle, tackle on the next one? Stay safe, everyone. Cheers. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a very interesting point about going tackle, tackle. Very well could happen, um, especially, I mean, you got questions with Juwan James, and obviously you don't have a left tackle after this year. Um, and yeah, Ryan, did you see this article that Mason and I talked about at uh, the end of the pod yesterday? No, tell me more. Mm, it, it came from the Boston community, so not necessarily a surprise there. And they had the Broncos quarterback room, like you said, ranked dead last, including mm-hmm. Jared Stidham and the New England Patriots above them, and Gardner Minshew and no one else behind him uh, in front of Drew Locke and the Broncos. Yeah, it was Ben Volan of the Boston Globe. Oh, wow. Had Not this. even like and a blog. Yeah. Well, again, it's, it's Boston. It's the Boston Globe. It's... Uh, the newspaper that employed uh, Dan Shaughnessy, who after the Broncos defeated the Patriots for the 2015 AFC Championship, proceeded to say that the Broncos were no different going to Super Bowl 50 than they were going to Super Bowl 48, and that they were going to get hammered by the Carolina Panthers. So you expect this sort of thing from Boston. Maybe they're still maybe they're still butthurt over the fact that the Broncos beat the Patriots in the first ever game for both teams in 1960. I don't know, but they hate the Broncos up there. And gentlemen, courtesy of Boucher all day, I welcome you to We Get Mad Wednesday. Let's yes. Go. <laughs> okay, so it's unbelievable the ignorance that is is being spewed by people around the country who haven't watched Drew Locke. Like, the Nick, Nick Wright just keeps doubling down on this, uh, and he just has no evidence to back up what he's saying. I don't know. What did they say? Was there a, a blip in this article that explained why they put the Broncos last? Yes, I'll read, I'll read Ben Volman's oh, you're text muted, here. Oh, there you are. Yeah. Uh, I unmuted, I thought. I'll read Ben Volman's text here. The Broncos were encouraged by Locke's 4-1 record down the stretch, but this is the least experienced depth chart in the league and could cost John Elway his job. 
Mm, so they're, they're, they're going off <laughs> Jeff Driscoll. The, the only reasoning there is that Jeff Driscoll um, isn't an experienced enough backup to back up a young quarterback in Drew Locke because I don't believe that he held young quarterbacks, second-year quarterbacks, third-year quarterbacks against other teams in there because they were young. So it's Jeff Driscoll and Brett Rippon. Uh, and Riley Neal that are holding the Broncos back because, of course, if you don't have, if you don't go three or four deep with experienced quarterbacks, then you got nothing. That's the classic phrase, right? Yeah. Oh. And, and look, we're not. Yeah, and we're not saying that the Broncos should be like even 16th here in terms of the, of the depth am. chart because Drew. Well, to me, Drew Lock has a lot to prove. But should they be above Washington with Dwayne Haskins and Kyle Allen? Yes. yes. Should they be above the Patriots with Jarrett Stidham and Brian Hoyer? Yes. I mean, I think the, the going, thing there going. is if you want to say experience, that's the whole thing. Brian Hoyer at least has experience. Why the Gardner hell does that Minshew, Jack, Gardner Minshew, Mike Glennon, Jake Luton, and Jacksonville, they're 29th. <laughs> uh, easy for the Broncos to be above that. I mean, uh, okay, 28. Just... Yeah, Josh Allen, Matt Barkley, Jake Fromm. So that Bills. one's too low. Um, yes, I agree. That should be up probably in the late teens, early 20s. Um, and I think the Broncos would land right around there. Okay. If the, let's just try to put ourselves in the shoes of Ben Volan here. If the backup quarterback were Colt McCoy or Chase Daniel instead of Jeff Driscoll, how many spots do you think he'd have him higher? Because what he says least experienced, I think part of this is, is, is knocking Jeff Driscoll a bit. And I think we can all agree that the Broncos probably could have found a, a backup quarterback with more on his resume than Jeff Driscoll. Man, if well, it's it, Jeff Driscoll, I think Mace may have the Broncos at number one. Oh, stop it. You mean if it's Chase <laughs> or if Daniel? It, if it's Chase Daniel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ruined that yeah, one. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, it, it, to me, it just – you have to weight this the correct way, and it has to be like 90% weighted on the starter and the rest can be on the backup. You know, the, maybe the backup can break a tie here. But, again, it just comes down to ignorance on Drew Locke. Uh, you know, people look at the 4-1. and one, Even if they see that, they're just saying, oh, it was garbage time and blah, blah, blah. And it's just it, – it's fine. It's whatever. They're in for a big wake-up call. Oh, that's all I'll say is the world will know Drew Locke's name very soon. And some people who didn't do the work uh, and didn't actually watch Drew Locke and see why the people in Denver are so high on him. Well, those people are going to look foolish, man, especially, well, think, yeah, yeah. especially him when the Broncos go into New England, what is it? Week five, week, uh, week six. And uh, then what's his column going to be after the Broncos beat them in New England? Uh, the Patriots, how embarrassing they just got beat at home by the worst quarterback room in the league. And maybe we should save this article here and, uh, <laughs> refer and reference it if we need to. One thing I will say, now I'm not sure Ben Volan is thinking this way, but I'm sure there are some other long-term uh, NFL writers who are. The 4-1, four, the if they don't dive deep into the 4-1 and one and find out how the Broncos got there with Drew Locke, then there are some reporters that are going to say, well, for example, 
Matt Moore, when he was in Carolina, went four. The team went four and one with him at the end of one season, and then they they went two and fourteen the next year. Now there were completely different circumstances involved, but I'm just saying this is the type of thing that outside of Denver, if they're not taking a deep look, justifies this sort of thinking. I don't agree with it, but it's how. But I'm saying that's how they're seeing it. Right. We'll see. Yep. We'll learn. <laughs> Next one from TK Freeze. What is up, DNVR? First and foremost, all love to each and every one of you guys out there, and please stay safe. Love is always it. Just love. All right, guys. So I rewatched all of Drew Locke's five games from last season, and I have my own few takeaways, but maybe some have been shared before, but this is what I saw. One, Philip Lindsay needs touches in bunches. It's like every time the guy gets hit, he wants the ball and will go make a play. It's like his hot and cold. I hope he gets multiple touches at a time. I agree with that. Two, Royce Freeman. Well, I don't think it's a bum. Never seemed to make plays from yards after the catch, and Locke dumped it down to him often. I feel replacing those plays with Gordon should make the offense way more explosive. Three, yeah, Royce Freeman has no acceleration. That, that's his biggest problem. So even when he gets the ball out in space, he can't capitalize on the space. The space gets closed down really quickly because his acceleration is slow. Right, right. Three. If you could take Devontae Booker's acceleration and Royce Freeman's ability to at least see things because Devontae Booker struggled with vision, you'd actually have a running back you could work with and win with. Yeah, and give me Devontae Booker's leaping ability. Three. (laughs) Bowles is not the worst tackle on the team. Wilkinson is. The KC Blizzard game, it seemed he was allowing pressures every single play. I mean, that's... That's something that shouldn't go under the radar, and I think it's a very good point you you point out there, TK, is while Garrett Bowles certainly struggled, had the penalties, everyone booed him all the time. It's easy to, to hate on Garrett Bowles. Elijah Wilkinson was not very good at right tackle last year. And that's putting it nicely. Yes. Four, the thing I'm most excited about the new offense isn't Judy, it's not Hamler, it's not Alberto or Gordon or any of the inside linemen we added. It's the new offensive coaching. I think Drew has every tool in the book, but it seemed we never truly lock or truly let lock sink or swim. Pat is going to make all the difference, but the weapons are amazing. My main takeaway, I'm going to go ahead and put it all my wages down on that. Plus 10,000 Drew Lock 2020 MVP. You guys stay safe. All love. It's funny because we talked about that on bets yesterday too. There's a ton of money in on Drew Lock. Um, in fact, at DraftKings Sportsbook right now, more money has come in on Drew Locke to win MVP than has come in on Lamar Jackson to win MVP. No way. <laughs> yep. Oh, my goodness. What are the odd differences? Uh, a lot. I think it's plus seven, plus three. No, set, uh, let me just, I'll just pull it up. Plus Sorry, setting on the lift. second year trend. That's all they're, that's what they're doing. Uh, Lamar Holmes second year, Lamar Jackson second year, Drew Locke second year. That's Lamar, why the money's coming in. Lamar Jackson plus seven hundred, Drew Locke plus seven thousand. Oh, ten times better. Yeah, that's probably a good uh, good bet there. In terms of money in, Drew Locke is tied. Uh, sorry, in terms of bet percentage, Drew Locke is tied with Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, and Josh Allen, all with 4% of all the bets. Uh, In terms of the money, um, he's tied with Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, 
Yeah, Dak Prescott and Josh Allen with 4% of the money. Lamar Jackson getting 3% of the bets, 3% of the money. That blows my mind. Holy cow, that blows my mind as well. I mean, it shows you that people it, – it's got to be just all people in Denver betting on Drew, right? Because we haven't seen that much love outside of Denver. And, and devout Colin Cowherd listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, how many back-to-back MVPs have there been in league history too? I think Peyton did it once, right? Sounds I'm right. sure when you get and, five. Okay, I, I, now I'm looking at it. Peyton did it once, 08, 09. Brett Favre was a three-time MVP, 95 to 97, three years in a row. Wow. Joe Mont- and Joe Montana did it once, 80, or 89 and 90. He went back-to-back. And then, yeah, uh, Jim Brown back in 57 and 58. So basically what that's saying is you can be a great player, but your odds of repeating even though are, are, are long. And so the smart money isn't going to come in on Lamar Jackson. Right. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But still, it's just crazy that Drew Locke is getting more. And Drew Locke, of anyone in the top ten there, Drew Locke has by far the worst odds or the best odds, depending on if you win or lose. Right. Wow, that's impressive. Iceman, hey amigos, 12 and 4 is my prediction, and I won't change it. I would love MVP for Andrew, but an all pro would mean more to me. Remember, most Super Bowl MVPs at quarterback are never the regular season MVP. Just saying. I also want to see Dalton make all pro this season. Mahomes, Mahomes, the seconds agent, will not allow KC to kick anything down the road. Patrick will never be worth more than he is now. Go America, Broncos, Drew, Reisner, Allie, Lindsey, smiley face. <laughs> well, if, if, a, uh, if a quarterback is all pro and not MVP, that's definitely going against the trend because, guys, 12 of the last 13 league MVPs have been quarterbacks. Mm. The only exception is Adrian Peterson, the year he went over 2,000 yards. So, Iceman, if you want that – you need a 2,000-yard rusher somewhere in the NFL to make that happen. Yeah, that's, that's going to be tough. Uh, and Peyton probably still should have won MVP that year, in my opinion. So. Yep, they should have. Yeah. Next one here is from Sir James Radio. Dear DNVR, yes, DNVR, the entire company, thank you. Thank you for being the amazing company you already knew you were. Brandon's straightforward message on the stance on DNVR was amazingly refreshing and way ahead of many major companies. Thank you for not being silent during these hard times. Mace, you've talked in the past about your political burner account. Thank you for your full transparency in publishing under your name and not your burner. You guys have- Oh, I'm, st- I'm still on the burn. Sorry, sorry. I'm still on the burner. So it's sort of like in Spinal Tap when you say, when they say, well, you should see the cover that they wanted to do. And when you see what I've got on Mace Denver, I th- should think, well, you should probably see what's on his burner because it's been- it's it's been burning pretty hot lately that's all i'm gonna Uh, say yeah i i I would even pass on that um i'll just say this this the reason that i think you know it's you wouldn't put it on your burners because again this isn't political this is right and maybe what you do have on your burner is political that's great uh but the the this other stuff you know Mm -hmm. like like we mentioned this is human rights which maybe yes, exactly. politics can affect it, but you know, uh, it's not. This is not a political stance. It's, it shouldn't have anything to do with what side of the aisle you're on, how you feel about what's going on right now. 
Um, yeah, and I know there was sad, a commenter. It's sad that it does. Yeah. And I know there was a commenter yesterday who said this is political, and I understood your point there. My point was just like this isn't this shouldn't be divisive in any way in terms of our opinions on this. If if that if you think we're being divisive and saying that you know we need to get rid of racism in America, well, I don't, I, I can't help you. Um, anyways, he said you guys could have remained silent and hid behind the brand, but you Zach RK. And Mace, we're right out of the gate with how you felt. So the DNVR fam, thank you for your amazing words in these comments and what I assume your thoughts across social media. I'll leave with this. The current state of the country has divided us to the core. There's division in my family over it. Time will heal these, but for, but for, time will heal these for me. But if anyone is suffering or feeling abandoned from people, feel free to reach out to me. I have a decent amount of numbers on Twitter, and I see that this thinning out the herd. In the lyrics of one of my favorite bands, Medina Lake, quote, I've lost friends, lost lovers, but I've still got my soul. Thank you. Good stuff. Yeah, very, very good comment. I think you nailed it all on the head there, Sir James Radio. Next one coming in from Dan Burke. Hey, y'all. I felt disconnected lately from the pod and the Broncos and haven't really felt like commenting with everything going on, but I'm going to try to keep myself engaged. So here it goes. Say the Broncos go 8-8 eight and eight next year with Drew, and he's overall statistically average with some flashes, some boneheaded moments, and a lot of, okay, would y'all consider offering him as trade bait to the Packers for Rodgers? Brian uh, Gutenkust is notoriously loyal to his, lo- to his college to his college scouting reports. And if he liked you in college and reports out of green Bay is that he loved drew and wanted to draft him, then he'll probably be interested in you. If you become available, good example of this is when he draft traded for Deshaun Kaiser, despite Kaiser struggling in Cleveland in this scenario, what would you offer drew as part of a trade package for Rogers? Even if Locke shows some promise. Also it's hashtag we get mad Wednesday. So we need to talk about Peter King putting the Raiders at eight in his power rankings. I don't even care about him putting the Broncos at 20, but the Raiders at eight. Also the Dolphins ahead of the Broncos was a choice, but the Raiders being at the top 10 was something else. Peter King loves him. Some Raiders day two picks. That's when I read his, uh, his comment and he's uh, getting into the guys that they got in the third round. He was talking about uh, uh, Brian Edwards. the one of the receivers they took and, uh, yeah, he, he loved the depth of the Raiders draft. But yeah, I hated I hated that ranking. Um but what do you think about Dan's original point here uh regarding uh regarding Brian Gutekunst of the Packers in particular? I there's literally no chance in hell that I would include Drew Locke in the package. I wouldn't even consider it. And if they said, Okay, you're gonna have to include Drew Locke if you want Aaron Rodgers, I would say, Cool, great talking to you, have a great day. Uh you know, well, you're what do you think Elway would do though? I, I think you would feel the same way. Why You finally have a quarterback who shows a little bit of promise and you're going to sell him off for one or two years of success. That just seems absolutely asinine to me. Yeah, you're doing it. It's easy. You include Drew in the package. Oh and God. Well, no, and the, and the reason is because if you're looking for Aaron Rodgers, clearly Drew didn't show you enough. And if you're benching Drew Locke for Aaron Rodgers, I don't think it's for, for a one-year fix. I think it's for... Uh, maybe a similar timeline that you had Peyton for. Maybe it's for four years. And then Drew would be going into his third year next year. You're not signing up Drew to a contract so that he can be the guy after Aaron Rodgers. If you bring in Aaron Rodgers next year, you are, you're closing the book. 
uh, on Drew Locke. And that's why, you know, how much promise uh, if they go eight and eight and, and he shows promise, I don't think they're going after Aaron Rodgers. But if you bring in Aaron Rodgers, sorry, it's, it's done with, with Drew. Yeah, and if the bottom line is if you are eight and eight and Drew Locke is this sort of just has this sort of okay season, then try to put yourself in the shoes of John Elway and, and Vic Fangio. The heat's going to be on. It would be four consecutive years for the Broncos without a winning season, five consecutive years out of the playoffs, and Elway going into the last year of his contract, and it could lead to some audacious maneuvers. Yeah, that would be crazy to me. And and if you were to close the book on Drew Locke after going eight and eight, uh, you and being, you know, just a little bit here, a little bit there, like most quarterbacks are in their first full season as a starter, uh, you it would be a really, really bad decision. So uh I I think you would end up being able to get more for Drew Locke if you actually wanted to move on from him than just including him in a trade for Aaron Rodgers. I think you could trade for Aaron Rodgers, and if you still wanted to trade Drew Locke, you could probably get at least your second-round pick back, but maybe even better than that. Um, so I, I think that would be stupid, but that's me. It would be a weird choice for the Packers, too, to, especially if Drew wasn't just a throw-in in the deal, if he was like a crucial part of it. Like, there's no deal if we're not getting Drew back. Then do they really love love, or do they just kind of like love? It, that would be a weird scenario for them, too. Yep. Well, one thing I definitely love is WGT. Make sure you go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT app. I don't know if you guys play golf, but it is very difficult to find a tee time out there right now. Uh, basically, my buddies and I want to play at a bear dance this weekend. And uh, the, the my, my guy woke up on Saturday morning this last weekend to book that, and we barely got in. And you can only book seven days in advance. They're going like Broncos discount tickets right now. So if you can't get out on the course, you got to get on WGT to get your fix. Uh, and we have officially opened up DNVR2. I jumped the gun a little bit telling people to go join the DNVR2 Country Club last week, so that's my bad. If you tried to join and you didn't get in there, you can get in there now. So you go to dnvrgolf.com, download the app, and then you go to Country Clubs, search DNVR2, and you'll be in uh, the expanded version of our original Country Club. You'll play in all the same tournaments, and, uh, and, and it's a great time. So make sure you go to dnvrgolf.com to get WGT. Ryan, is your tea time at like 6 a.m. or something? No, it's a 2, 2 p.m. Oh, nice. That'll be perfect. And speaking of perfect, our coverage of the Colorado Raptors and rugby is pretty darn good. And, guys, this is the perfect time to learn a new sport, jump on the bandwagon of a new team. And our reporter, Colton Strickler, is taking you inside the locker room letting you know everything about dnvr raptors through the dnvr podcast that they've got at dnvr raptors dnvr raptors on twitter the dnvr.com we've got raptors coverage as well so make sure to join in now listen to their podcast where colton breaks down the team breaks down rugby uh join our watch parties this is a great time to learn a new sport and we've got all the colorado raptors coverage you could ever want so make sure to check them out at the dnvr.com Follow him on Twitter at DNVR Raptors. Follow Colton Strickler on Twitter. 
and as well as the DNVR Raptors podcast. Yep, let's uh, move on in the in the podcast back to uh, back to comments here from Ethan Rogier. Hey guys, coming at you talking about the sixth round guy in Cleveland. Watching him play, I see him being a sleeper kind of guy like Winfrey was in the preseason, but actually playing some. Do you think he could be on the, a sleeper to take that fifth spot on the roster for wide receiver? Go my quarterback D-lock and go DR, of course, referring to Tyree Cleveland, who was the seventh round uh, pick there at the end of the draft. Thoughts on Tyree Cleveland, guys? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think as a as a drafted guy, he's got a chance. But I think for a drafted guy, it's kind of more it's more so of an outside chance um, to make this team right now. He's got a nice, juicy spot waiting for him on the practice squad. Yes, yes, very much so. And that's why the Broncos used one of their their late uh, picks in the seventh round to get him is because they didn't want to have to go court him uh, as an undrafted free agent. They that that was kind of a priority undrafted free agent route they went. I'd say Derek Tuska of those seventh rounders at the end of the draft uh, has a better chance of being on the 53 than Tyree Cleveland. It's just the numbers at the wide receiver position that work against Tyree Cleveland right now. Yep. From Pick Tosser 66. So I can't help but feel like you guys owe me a Breck brew on the house for what you put me through this past weekend. I can't remember the last time I've been so frustrated doing something that I was during that <laughs> damn WGT tournament. First hole, stuck it on the green, no problem. Saw the ultra-fast green speed and figured I'd better take a decent amount off this putt. Next thing I know, I blaze it right by the hole, and I'm on the other side of the green sitting on the fringe. What the? <laughs> Nine holes of temper tantrums and almost chucking my phone several times. I haven't been that pissed since Super Bowl 48. <laughs> Thanks for that, fellas. <laughs> very funny that's Aww. all for me have a good day boys yeah it, well it was called the nux invitational because nux is a little bit of an a-hole and so he set things up as mean as he could and he laughed his way you know as we all just wanted to throw our phones yeah the ultra fast made me feel like i was driving on the green that was uh i've never played an ultra fast like that yeah it, oh. was, it was pretty intense but it was fun <laughs> Next one here is from our guy, LDJ. I'm so proud to be a part of the DNVR family. When I saw your efforts, Mason Ryan, to support and participate in Blackout Tuesday, I got emotional because you got it. You understood the plight of African-Americans and what we are fighting for. The equality doesn't end with justice for George Floyd. Russ's beautiful soul it is in representation, economic equality, and opportunity as well. So thank you so much for all you did to participate, fellas, yesterday, number one. Number two, Mace, your article on Fangio. It gave me peace. That passes all understanding. I agree with you. Sometimes people are so deep in their bubble that they fail to see what's going on. But I got to be honest, I'm not sure if it's involuntary blindness on Vic's part or if it's intentional. Here's two obvious things Vic cannot ignore. One, Colin Kaepernick played on the team you took to the Super Bowl, Vic. You know that he deserved to play, and you know the reason he wasn't uh, was about supporting a fan base who participated in ignoring systematic racism, and he was discriminated against, Vic. And two, obvious example, you coached for Matt Nagy, who helped Alex Smith and the Chiefs defense get to another level uh, than where Doug Peterson had them. For one year, Vic, he did that in one year, and he got a head coaching job after Doug Peterson got a job. But Eric Bieniemy took that offense to a historic franchise magnitude into a Super Bowl win and still hasn't been a head coach over the likes of Joe freaking Judge. Vic, you just don't want to see it. I'm going to say this uh, I'm going to say this to you guys on Monday around the NFL podcast uh 
had one of their news anchors, an African-American, Steve Weish, known anchor for NFL Network. When Steve started to speak about the NFL's response to George Floyd, Steve said, come on, man, we're past the point where we were of words. We want action. And it starts with representation. So that's why the NFL is so numb to what's going on. And I don't care. I'm just going to put it out there. How many African-American executives are there in the NFL? How many black owners? How many black coaches? Screw it. I'll talk about the NFL Network. How many black people are on shows on NFL Network? Uh, many of our bosses are – how many of the bosses are African-American in the NFL Network? We're past the point of tweets and messages. We need action. Steve Weiss has been with NFL Network since 2012. Why would he say something like that if the NFL had no discrimination, SMH? I'm going to leave you all with this question, a really important one. How do you think the team responds to Vic's comments? I've been seeing what they're tweeting, Devontae Harris especially. I don't know how they're going to take those comments, Vic said. Well, SMH. Well, that's why I think the Thursday meeting is going to be pretty interesting because if it's, again, if it's one way, just Vic talking to the guys – uh, be one thing, but I imagine there's going to be some dialogue involved and that uh, players are, are going to share things that they know that they've experienced, that guys that they know have experienced. Now, that being said, I've seen in terms of response to the quote from Vic that was put out there on social media last night, I've seen more from former players than I have from current players to this point and I think former players especially those who've tried to get into coaching and scouting and so forth probably can offer a, a lot more illumination on racism existing in the NFL because I do think most locker rooms in, in that in that environment specifically they are colorblind it's just when you step outside of that that you see a lot of problems. Well, and, and this is what Kareem Jackson, something Kareem Jackson said, that he was so happy that Joe Ellis let the players talk and let them have their voice yesterday. And uh, you hope that Vic does that as well so, so that um, it can be a conversation tomorrow and so that Vic can, can see the point of view from, from all of the players as well. Yeah, it would be really disappointing to me if it was, a like you said, Mesa, a one-way uh, meeting. Uh, that would be... Uh, that would just be disappointing. I think Vic needs to hear his players out on this. And I think the players need to speak out. Like you mentioned, I've seen more. I saw Will Parks mention it on Twitter. I saw Chris Harris mentioned on Twitter. I, I haven't specifically seen any of the current Broncos mentioned on Twitter. And I think those guys deserve a chance to be able to talk to Vic. You know, you can't talk to their, to his face right now, but as close as you can get. Yeah. And beyond kind of the NFL itself, uh, LDJ mentions Devonte Harris. Well, Devonte Harris He's doing a lot in Wichita, and actually he is on the Civil Rights Advisory Council that was named uh, by the mayor of Wichita. That was announced last night. So you have Kareem uh, Jackson talking about getting players together. You've got players that are doing stuff in their individual communities. We talked about Justin Simmons. So, I mean, there's a lot – look, there's a lot of good things going on from Broncos players on this, and I'm sure if, uh, if, if Vic gives them the floor – that that uh, there's going to be some really constructive dialogue and everyone's in that room is going to be the better for it. No doubt, no doubt. Just ice, hold the water. Hey guys, thank you for addressing today's problems. It all starts with the conversation. Now, I think one of my biggest fears this year is Drew Locke having a year Case Keenum did with the Vikings when he took over. This team has enough weapons and could produce exponential numbers with a mediocre quarterback. Could this be another false positive in a way? And what do you think? Thanks guys, just ice, hold the water. Both Ryan and I are shaking our heads. <laughs> we had the same reaction to that. So, no. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, first of all, Drew Locke has a lot more uh, tools than Case Keenum has. Second of all, like if Drew Locke succeeds with weapons around him, he's going to continue to have those weapons. So if Drew Locke false positives his way to a Super Bowl because the Broncos put great weapons around him, uh, I don't think anyone's going to complain about it. Yeah, and Drew just has more tools at his disposal in terms of talent that translates to the NFL than Case Keenum did. And with Keenum, there was a reason why he was undrafted coming out of the University of Houston, even though he had numbers galore in the offense that the Cougars ran at the time. And there's a reason why Drew Locke was in the first round conversation for most of the pre-draft period before he ended up slipping into the second round. Drew Locke has a lot of physical tools, a lot of a lot of classic quarterback tools that Case Keenum didn't possess. And if he does well with Pat Shermer and with this offense, then yeah, I think it's uh, going to be a legitimate positive, not a false positive. Next one's for you there, Mace. Oh, yes, Count Locula. The great Bill Walsh said that the one flaw in football is too much revolving around the quarterback. As contracts get higher and higher, and average to below average quarterbacks garner huge portions of team dollars, I tend to agree. The all-out boom or bust decisions based on quarterback play could be, could be the death of the game. How about this? It will never happen because people hate change. Running touchdowns are worth seven points. Defensive touchdowns are worth eight. Could this make the game more well-rounded? Love the count. No way. It's like the four-point field goal they tried in NFL Europe back in the day. It'd be an interesting curiosity, but uh, no. But I think you raise a good point, Count, about how it is so quarterback-centric that if you don't have one of those guys, you, you're basically – you're on another you're on a lower strata a stratum than teams that have that guy and if you have your starting quarterback get it get injured unless you've got a Nick Foles waiting in the wings you're toast I when I'm Bill Walsh is an interesting person to to note here because over the course of his time in San Francisco he was able to kind of keep the train going we know about Steve Young and of course he ended up being a Hall of Famer but even in the 1986 season, he lost Joe Montana for a good chunk of that season, put in Jeff Kemp, and the 49ers remained a viable playoff contending type of team. They stayed afloat until Joe Montana got back. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with count on this. It's, it's quarterback-centric, I think, to the detriment of the overall game a little bit. Maybe, uh, but it's – you know, from a general manager's perspective, you can understand why you you have to have a quarterback for the rest of the stuff to be able to work. Even the 49ers, you know, they didn't get a, what I would consider a elite quarterback, but they upgraded their quarterback to a position where they could compete for a Super Bowl. Uh, and I think, you know, I think maybe that could be a strategy moving forward. The problem is Jimmy Garoppolo. So, um, that's where things could get messy is the quarterbacks just know how much more valuable they are and they can just, you know, like I've been saying with Dak Prescott, I, I'm not kidding when I say that he should just tell them every day that he's not signed, he's adding another million dollars to his number because they have no choice. It's, it's signed Dak Prescott or, or go backwards. Right. And with Patrick Mahomes specifically, obviously he's going to become the highest paid. It's just going to be name your price. 
what's his true value? Unlimited for, for a year. I mean, what 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 would you put the dollar sign at per year based off like the salary cap we're looking at this year? I I, I don't think you can put a value on it. Like he his value is and and he's unique in this. I don't think anyone else goes into this category. His value is is in it's not calculable. Um, it's too high. You know, like. <laughs> It's you could make the argument that you would pay him enough enough money so that you can only sign other players to uh, minimum contracts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that that's that's absolutely wild. Where it's the worst situation to be in. It's kind of like you touched on, Ryan, the Jimmy Garoppolo's. Uh, Mason, I looked at the article yesterday on quarterback commitments uh, that teams have, and atop that list. Jared Goff, ooh, that's kind of a nightmare scenario to be where you have this huge commitment to a guy that can't take you to the playoffs by himself. Uh, you have the Ryan Tannehills of the world. Titans are feeling pretty good about that. I would be very scared about that. Um, and when you get these average, mediocre quarterbacks and you commit to them big time, that's what you don't want to do. Yeah, Tannehill was literally number two behind yeah. Jared Goff in terms of quarterback commitment. Yep. Yep. That's, that's one of the worst places to be. And that's a quarterback. Was, was he even the most important player on that offense? It's rare that you say that and, or ask that question about a quarterback in the NFL today, but wouldn't you say Derrick Henry was the more important player on that offense? A million percent. Yeah. Uh, Mace, I, I think I know what Zach would say on this. So I just want to ask you, if okay. I told you, you get to start a franchise right now, um, but Patrick Mahomes is on a contract that's so big that the only thing you can do is sign players to vet minimum deals and draft players. Would you, uh, would you, t would you accept that deal rather than having a different quarterback? Um, that let that, let's say, let's say, um, Dak Prescott, you get Dak Prescott for market value, or you get Patrick Mahomes for like 120 million per year. <laughs> And don't, I'm taking, and remember, you do I'm taking my homes and trusting my ability to draft. <laughs> yep, yep, that's exactly what I mean. Because you, you just, you just, all you got to do is hit draft picks, mm -hmm. uh, and you'll have a window in about three years where you'll probably you could win a Super Bowl. Yeah, you start, you start making the draft rules. You know, if you've got, if you have two comparable offensive linemen, you take the Wisconsin offensive lineman. If you, you know, you, you, you emphasize edge rushers and corners and so on. And uh, you get your slot, you get your slot receiver on day three or the undrafted pile you just, you have to kind of stick to a game plan, but yeah, that's what I'm doing. hundred percent. And uh, man, that is why, what is, what does year one look like? Cause you said in year three, if you hit on your draft picks, um, you're, you're competing for a Super Bowl. What does year one look like? I think you're scrapping for the playoffs like you you're competing for it. I don't I honestly I mean maybe I'm wrong here maybe if you know I don't know like what, what type of players are signing vet minimum deals right now like Zach Kerr is Zach Kerr on your defensive line yeah yeah probably so like you got Zach Kerr on your defensive line uh you're working with like Devontae Bosby at corner like I think this team oh, you're good, you're good. 
I, th- I honestly think this team with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, and of course the right coaching staff, since we already have the, the proof there, we'll, we'll just say it's Andy Reid as his head coach. I think this team actually can figure it out. You've got like Kalfani Muhammad at running back. Yep, yep. And uh, is Demarius Thomas a wide receiver? Maybe. I, I mean, if I were them, I would just go get all of the fastest players in the league and just see if I can make that work. <laughs> or all the, you know, the, the guys like Ka- uh, Khalif Raymond, Kalfani Muhammad, anyone whose name starts with a K-H. Yep. Um, <laughs> well, is it Khalif K-A? Oh, uh, yeah, you're right. My bad. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but, you know, you're just – you're stacking up on these, these guys. I mean, I've been doing it in Madden. Every time I have an injury in Madden, I just go to the waiver wire and get the fastest guy at that position. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that, that's a sustainable method in this, in this world where you only get players on vetman deals. Just go get all of the practice squad and undrafted guys who are extremely fast on offense. Man, that would be quite an interesting team. But yeah, I think you're right. I think they're above 500, and I think they're competing for the playoffs. And then, hey, once you're in the playoffs, a great quarterback can take you anywhere. Crazy. Maybe we're overvaluing him, but I, I, I kind of don't think so. <laughs> the other Ryan chimes in and says, my boys, you all are doing great work with this community and beyond. So thank you. I really appreciated RK's idea to promote Denver area black owned businesses yesterday on Twitter. I was happy to contribute one name to the list. As Edward Everett uh, Hale said, I'm only one, but I am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. The something I ought to do, I can do. By the grace of God, I will. Very, very nice words, the other Ryan. If you had to come up with a group of five current or former Broncos to help inspire and lead change and unity in the community and nation, who would you choose? I think my five would be Rod Smith, Brandon Marshall, Will Parks, Justin Simmons, and Jake Plummer. To continue on the topic of listening, I will leave you with a quote that George W. Bush shared yesterday, which resonates greatly with me. This is not the time for us to lecture. It's the time for us to listen. DNV Army salute. Yep, and that goes back to what Champ said at his Hall of Fame speech and what many others have said, you know, it starts by listening. And I said it on Monday's podcast, we can't just be waiting to respond with some other problem or some other thing or why is this more important than that? Just listen, just, just try to just try to listen. And I think it'll, it'll, you'll, it'll carry us pretty far. And now that it won't carry us all the way. But it starts with listening, and, and that's the first step, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and Ryan, I really liked your idea on uh, Twitter yesterday of, of supporting black communities and, and, and black-owned businesses because it was really interesting. When the Blackout Tuesday started yesterday on social media, I had a – before the podcast, my girlfriend and I had a conversation about this and that um, Blackout Tuesday, I, I get the idea of it. But um, that just, it, it can't be all you do. You know, if you really want change, you, you can't just post a black box and hashtag something and, and say, I'm done. I'm done. Or, or, or even if it's a, a nice caption, you got to go do something. And that was actually one of the things that we talked about, um, you know, going downtown this weekend to participate in a peaceful, peaceful protest. And then after, uh, not, not just this weekend, um, but seeking out black owned businesses in our community and, and going to them. And so it, it was funny just later that afternoon, I, I saw your tweet and now I, I, I know exactly where to go. So fantastic idea. Um, and that's, you know, it's, it's just like the, the quote that the other Ryan left us. I can't do everything. 
uh, and that hurts that you can't do everything. It's not an easy uh, fix, but that's why it's, it's such an important issue is because it, it's not one thing that one person can do is we all have to do our part. Yeah, and I would say also for those who can't get to, to protest, maybe you've got uh, young kids at home if you're listening, uh, then maybe part of your job is telling your kids and sitting down with them and explaining why these protests are important, why they matter, why it's necessary to listen. Make sure that as we start working with the younger generation and raise them and raise them right, infuse them with the values of empathy, justice, devotion to equality, devotion to, 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 to peaceful assembly, all these things that hopefully are going to make things better as we progress as a nation than they are right now. That's, uh, there, there are so many things that we can do, big and small, patronize businesses if you can get out there and be a part of, of, of peaceful protests. Talk to your talk to your children, make sure you raise you raise them right and raise them to be to be open minded and um, and empathetic people. All these things can make this a better place, even though it may not show up right away, but it can all but it can make sure that we truly progress on that path toward justice for all. And I think you make a, a really great point there, Mace, because if these protests and the, everything that's going on causes parents to have a conversation with their kids and opens their kids' eyes and, and teaches their kids to be more open-minded, that means they're working. You know, that means what we're trying to accomplish here in one way or another is working, even if it's in a smaller uh, way, just person by person with young people. Um, and I think that's another good way to look at this is, how, you know, what can I do to make sure that, that these work, you know, that, that some of the bad things that are happening out during these protests weren't in, weren't for nothing. Uh, you know, whether that's a business getting destroyed or something else. Um, so that's a, that's a great way to look at it. Even if just a conversation, going to a business, whatever it is, it at least makes it so that all of this wasn't for nothing. And I think we are starting to see progress, which is really encouraging. Yes, absolutely. And it's not going away, which is very, very good. And we can't let it go away. I believe the last one here comes in from Canadian Orange and Blue. It says, hey, guys, haven't commented in a while, but Vic's comments yesterday made me quite upset. Saying there's no racism in the league just makes me think he's the type of person to not think about the backlash before commenting. He's the leader of a football team where at least half the players are African-Americans who have seen racism uh, their entire lives. I just don't know how they could have the same respect for him. This makes me question him as a leader, especially when it was his platform, and he could have not answered or given a standard NFL. I respect all races, but I don't think I can comment on that. This makes me wonder if he'll end up in the Pat Shermer vote as a great football mind that couldn't manage people. Sorry for the long comment. I don't know if there's any sports coverage media like you guys anywhere in the world. You guys are awesome. Stay safe. Well, thank you for, for sharing how you feel, Canadian Orange and Blue. And, and I understand why, why people – uh, gave him backlash for, for those comments. And you wonder if he's going to come out and um, with a statement uh, to just clarify exactly what he was talking about, or if that's going to be addressed tomorrow with the team. Yeah, I hope it's addressed in one way or another, because so often in 2020, it's really easy to just wait things out and, and say, oh, well, the news cycle will pick up on something and people will be outraged about something else tomorrow. Um, 
And from a national perspective, that's true. But I think it, it might be hard for a lot of people in Denver to forget that. And, and maybe he was in his own players, like we said, unless that's dressed. Yeah, I think he'll make it right with his players. And I think beyond that, it'll end up fading away and things will get right. But it's, it, starts, it starts in that locker room. It starts with uh, clarifying things uh, in the locker room and clarifying it with his players. But I think he will. All right, well, we'll hope for that, and maybe we'll find out from a player later on that that was, that was uh, addressed and taken care of. And, and that's, a, that's an important first step. Uh, before we get out of here, a shout-out to Denver Rubber Company, the most reliable partner for your long-term projects. They're an essential business. They filled many needs for several industries uh, during this time, and uh, they're really anything you could ever imagine in the rubber field. They are the leader in that industry. So make sure you call them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR. That's going to wrap it up for us today on today's DNVR Broncos podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for bearing with us during these times and, and listening to us and having these tougher conversations with us. We really appreciate this community. We love you all. We'll talk to you tomorrow.